The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black podcast. I am your host, Ace Boogie, along with my co-host, Zim Hude. Uh, be sure that you subscribe to us, man. We appreciate all of the comments and everything. You can find us in the Apple Store or wherever you listen to your podcast on under the name Cincy Jungle. We're a part of that syndicate. Um, as you know, I am Ace Boogie of New Stripe City. If you're not familiar with me, you can check out my YouTube channel. Um, it's entitled New Stripe City. Um, if you're not familiar with my co-host, Zim Hude, you can follow him on Instagram at Zim underscore Hude or at Zim Hude on Twitter. Um, today we have several subjects that we want to cover. So, Zim, I'll let you run through our schedule for the gauntlet today, and then we can get into it. All right. How's everybody doing today? Well, you guys can't respond, I guess, because you're just listening. But I am Zim Hude with the most irritating voice in the world, but I got the heart and soul of the Bengal inside of me. I'm trying to liven you guys up, if y'all haven't noticed. We we don't really have too much to cheer about right now, except the fact that the number one pick could be looming. But let's get into this matchup Sunday. We are at the point where we are 0-6. I want to point out some different things where as uh, coming into this game, we got a, a big boost in morale, I think, from maybe even the team perspective. Or maybe Andy Dalton is probably a little happy because Cordy Glenn has been cleared to practice. Also, Darquez Denard is now off the PUP um, list, and now he is uh, – he has, they haven't activated him at the time of this show, but he is clear to play. He did practice in full. Cordy Glenn uh, practiced in full. Ace, do you believe that they will have an impact coming up this Sunday at all? I definitely think that they have an impact right um, now. It's hard to say how much because, honestly – um, the guy that we had in uh, the guard, um, his name escapes me, John Jerry, I'm sorry. John Jerry has played uh, pretty decent at left tackle. Uh, obviously, he surrendered a sack last week, but he's been decent. Uh, but I expect Cordy Glenn to be a slight upgrade over him. Uh, we'll have to see, though, because Cordy Glenn did struggle at some times last year. But he is at least an insurance policy there. And I think with Darquez Denard, especially with the Bengals losing Drake Kirkpatrick and William Jackson the third, uh, at least William Jackson the third for a couple of weeks, Drake Kirkpatrick is expected to be out maybe a month or more. 
um, that is a godsend for the Bengals secondary, who would really be um, starting a bunch of guys, and that that uh, secondary has been decimated. We talk about Darius Phillips and guys who were hurt, Drake Kirkpatrick and William Jackson III. So that's kind of a godsend for them, but they're still going to be weak at the corner spot because uh, Darquest Denard can really only do so much, and primarily he plays in the slot, but it'll be interesting to see if he plays outside more. Um, but I'm looking forward to this because the Bengals are going to have some decisions to make uh, after this season, especially at cornerback. Uh, you talk about William Jackson III uh, possibly – um, being extended, you talk about Drake Kirkpatrick possibly being cut. Uh, you know, you talk about Darquez Denard being in a one-year deal, prove it deal. So, um, you know, this is actually going to bode well, but I think that they do actually help. I don't know if they improve, but, you know, they help. Okay, from a tackling perspective, I think Darquez Denard is absolutely going to help a lot. Tony McRae is probably one of the more underrated corners that we have that can tackle as well. So I think you'll get a little bit more of that. But the problem is, going up against Leonard Fournette, he's not going to be evading cornerback tackling, And he's absolutely going to be looking for contact. And I, I expect a lot of broken tackles this upcoming week. I don't think that that's going to have a bigger impact, I guess, for me. But for Darkwood Denard, all season, he was looking for starter money. He's going to get his chance to start on the outside because VW Webb's arm is still in the cast. So, if you've played the cornerback position before, um, or if you don't know, uh, it's hard to jam a wide receiver on the outside and you got a cast on your hand. So I don't expect them to have him on the outside. So that's one part where I think it will be an effect. I think it, Darquez will have his time to shine or see what he could do. And on the other flip side of it is this is the week where you don't want to be in like a dime or Bengals always have to be in nickel anyway, but this is not the week for that. Another reason why I think it is will it will have an impact, or you will be able to say just like you just hit on, is that John Jerry shouldn't have been out there in the first place. But the problem is, out of all the teams that I've seen probably play this year, the Jaguars get so much pressure, so much pressure with their four man front. So that's in Dockway. Um, God, a lot of names kind of escape me right now, but you, you're pretty much throwing. Uh, uh, Jared Allen, the you know their first round pick or whatever, he comes in on their third down package. And the amount of pressure that they get with Calais Campbell and these guys because they then switch them to a three tech when they get into these third down positions, or whatever. But the amount of pressure that they get from a four man rush is like insane. So that right there in itself is good um, uh, to have Cordy Glenn back at that point. Are there any matchups? I, I know there's some Jaguar fans that I spoke to. And one thing that really, really grinded my gears or really got me amped up is Chark, right? Chark is an up-and-coming wide receiver. If you guys play fantasy football or anything, he's really, really, he's really, really been putting the stats on. He's got the build of an A.J. Green. And I hate when people – I don't know why in sports or music, it's always people's first nature to compare something. But these Jaguar fans, even the guys from Lockdown Jaguars, uh, I think it's – I can't think of his name right now. But anyway, he's, they're all comparing this guy, Chark Jr., to A.J. Green, right? And I'm like, it's so early in that. From an offensive standpoint, do you feel like the Jaguars have anybody that scares you, or is there anybody that you're going to be checking for? Because one thing I'm going to be looking for is Chark Jr., and I want to see him get locked up because they are talking so much trash about Chark Jr. being the next A.J. Green. Uh, yeah, I think um, being that I am in Florida, I'm located in Orlando, I'm in 
close proximity um, to the Jaguars, and, you know, I know several friends that are Jaguars fans. I think the Bengals should be concerned about several players on the Jaguars offense, um, DJ Chark included. He's a guy that's just really coming on for them. He's really their number one receiver. Um I'm not sure if he's A.J. Green level. Um, I, I think if they say that, they must be talking about the way that he attacks the ball in the air. I could see that. Uh, but you also have another guy that's going to give us problems in D.D. Westbrook. Uh, you mm-hmm. talk about Marquise Lee, who was solid for them, I believe, last year. He was having like a big year and ended up um, injuring, um, having some kind of injury. Um, he's a he's going to be an issue for us. I think all three of those corners are issues for us. Um, I also think Leonard Fournette. Uh, Leonard Fournette is having a hell of a year. Uh, he's going to be a guy that's very physical, that's going to test those boundaries, like you said, and is a guy that's in – Uh, essentially a contract year because, you know, he had some regression last year, so he's trying to prove himself for that big deal. Um, So I think that that's going to be an issue offensively. Defensively, on the flip side of things, you got uh, one of the best pass rushing tandems or just pass rushing defensive line in general in the NFL where you talk about Yannick Nguakwe, you talk about a Marcel Darius, you talk about a Calais Campbell who's a hound, uh, you talk about a Josh Allen um, so these are guys that are going to impact the game. And then you also talk about having the athleticism at linebacker with a guy like Miles Jack, even though they have lost um, uh, Jalen Ramsey, who uh, by all means is the best corner in the NFL. This Jaguars defense is still stacked. You talk about a Ronnie Harrison, who's um, a safety from, I believe, Alabama last year. He's good. You talk about A.J. Bouye, who's still a shutdown corner himself. Um, you think he's shut be, down though? I, I think he's really good. You feel like he's shut down though? I be, I feel like AJ Bouye is a shutdown corner. Um, okay. I haven't watched him recently, uh, but from what I've heard from you know talking to Jags fans and just from the moment mm-hmm. that he's gotten there, he's been like a top corner in the league. So oh yeah, I yeah, most definitely he won't shut down AJ Green though. He won't shut down Ross though. He's not that shut. He's not that type of shutdown. I want to see that matchup though. Right, so and especially with us not knowing if A.J. Green will play in this game, I'm not sure if he's going to be on Tyler Boyd or um, things of that nature. And, I mean, the way that teams are playing the Bengals, which we saw last week, is um, guys are going to take uh, Tyler Boyd away and they're going to make sure that they take the run game away and they're going to force guys like Auden Tate and Alex Erickson to beat them. And we all know that that's not happening. So I'm scared from this um, from this matchup from both of those standpoints. Um, you also talk about their offensive line is pretty solid. You got Cam Robinson, you got Jawan Taylor, you got Andrew Norwell. Um, so it's going to be hard for the Bengals to apply pressure uh, based on what we uh, have faced in the past. So those guys are all capable, and I think that this game has the favor to Jags, in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, one, one another name uh, just to kind of touch on some of the guys that you got. Like I, I really believe in the Jaguars defense. Like they're not what they were a year or two ago, but I still believe like they're in the top five in my opinion in the NFL. Just the way that they're constructed, and I think you hit on this last week. Just the just the onus on getting pass rushers and getting a bunch of them, like a lot. They 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 made sure that they focus on that, and they've always had really good cornerback play. So that's one thing that I want everyone to check out. There's also a guy, too, that me watching the highlights or just watching a little bit of Jags games that I have, it's a guy, I think his name is Dwayne, but his last name is Smoot. He registered a sack last week or whatever, but watch out for him throughout the uh, throughout the game. That is a guy that I think is going to pop up a lot. 
I do think on the corner on the opposite end of Bouye is a little bit of a liability. If you ask someone to stretch the field, they won't have that. So um, I do think you could take advantage of that with Audite because Bouye isn't going to travel to follow the best wide receiver throughout the game too. So I think that does work in the Bengals' favor. But there's nothing that the Bengals do really well. I'm not going to kid you guys whatever. There's nothing that they do well, and there's nothing that I can see them exploiting. At the end of the day, I'm tanking for Herbert. I'm tanking for Tua, and I'm tanking for anybody else that looks like they're going to be like a future quarterback leader of this team, and that's really what my mindset is on. But throughout the game, I do think it is very interesting to watch these matchups. Do you have any um, – uh, predictions or anything that you want to highlight before we get off of the subject of actually watching the Jaguars and Bengals this Sunday? Uh, yeah, I forgot the biggest story for the Jaguars this year. I can't believe I left this guy out, Gardner Minshew, um, quarterback. Um, nine touchdowns, two interceptions right now, playing better than Dalton, 97.5 quarterback rating. This guy was a six-rounder um, that no one knew of, and, you know, obviously they lost Nick Foles. Um, to an injury, and this guy has come in and played admirably. I think that he will continue to be successful um, against the Bengals. And then you talked about that Jaguars defense, and without Jalen Ramsey, they went against Sean Payton and his Vonage Saints offense, even though it's only Teddy Bridgewater, but they only gave up 13 points in that game. So those are two other items that I forgot to hit on. Um, but that brings it to a close for me. I think that the Bengals lose this game um, and continue to move towards that number one pick. What about you, Zim? Um, I'm I'm still in the same thing. I don't think it's going to be a killer, killer, offensive performance from the Jaguars. I think if they're smart, they'll manage the, the clock. Know that Bengals can't convert on third downs. You'll see a lower scoring game like they did last week with Teddy Bridgewater, who actually managed to just get a touchdown out of that game which ultimately won them the game. But you'll see something probably like 20 to twenty to 10 on the high side, I think. But ultimately, Jaguars win. Bengals are still number one in the runnings for the number one pick in the 2020 draft. All right. Like, everybody, this is the part where you cheer. Welcome back to the Orange is the New Black podcast. Thanks for listening to some of our sponsors. And if you're a local sponsor and you're trying to appeal to people within – Cincinnati or just Bengals fans in general, feel free to reach out to myself at New Stripe City on Twitter or Zim at Zim underscore Hooday on Instagram and Zim Hooday on Twitter for any type of advertising or sponsorship opportunities. Now, Zim, we're back. We discussed the Jaguars and the Bengals and what we thought was going to happen with that matchup. Do you want to introduce the next topic? Sure. And also, just to touch on what Ace was just saying, no better segmented our, I mean, um, audience that we have, period, today will be better than advertising with us here, me and Ace Boogie, you're, you know, nothing but 92% Cincinnati fans. Just want to throw that out there, so hit us up. Um, but the next segment is dealing with Cincinnati and the future of Cincinnati. So I want to start off by saying this. I believe that we have some players on our team that are phenomenal, um, they uh, are very special to my heart. And these guys, I just think from a business standpoint, you got to start looking at it. You're 0-6. The topic now becomes, who do you keep and who do you let go? 
And one of the um, one of the things that I kind of was talking to Ace, me and Ace talk a lot outside of just this podcast, is that we were talking about different players um, that we felt as though like would get value on the open market. And one player, and it's only one player that I could even think of right now for today that would even maybe even garner our first round pick. And even with his salary, I really find a hard time even finding that. Okay, and this guy's name is Geno Atkins. We're not going to focus on – we're going to – we got all year to go through. Who would you keep? Who would you move past, run, however you want to uh, phrase it. But the topic of today is Geno Atkins. If we're moving forward with this team and we're, t- and we're tanking for two or tanking for whatever quarterback you want, or even if you're one of the guys that feels as though we need an offensive line in the first round, today is your argument to say how we can get – to that, even if we don't get the number one pick, uh, how do how do you address getting higher up in the draft? What is your plan for the future? And Geno Atkins, um, I stood on this topic where I'm saying that's a guy that I don't mind losing right now uh, to today, October 2019. That's a guy that hasn't really shown up that much, as far as I'm concerned. We're going to go into that a little bit more, but the reason why we're I'm going to start off by saying is I'm thinking about this window. And this question is not about, like, is he good today? Is he great today to me? The question is more so can this guy be viable to the future of this this franchise and help us in the window? So the window that's coming up would be a quarterback that you're going to have four years and with the fifth-year option. The argument to me is will Geno still be Geno? At that point, and that's how I want to start this off. And Ace, you have the floor. You tell me what you feel about Geno Atkins moving forward. How do you feel about his current contract, and what do you feel like his value is? I'm gonna try to keep this uh, this answer as short as possible because I have a, a lot of different reasons for keeping Geno. <laughs> um, and and from my stance. The reason that I – the ultimate stance that I feel is that the Bengals, although, you know, I'm on the tank, the tanking trade, and when I say tank, I don't mean necessarily sell the farm like the Miami Dolphins. When I say tank, I just mean end up with the number one pick. But I think that the Bengals are in a position to where they can do – and I guess the the proper term that I should be using is a soft rebuild primarily at the the quarterback position. So starting off, reasons why I do not want to move on from Geno. In order to understand that, you have to understand the reason why trades are rare within the NFL. Um, Obviously, there's the way that that contracts are structured and things of that nature. So if you were to trade Geno Atkins right now, not only are you trading him uh, to a competitor or to another team, you're also going to be paying for this season. So imagine – sending Geno Atkins to the Patriots and then also imagine turning around and writing them a $14.5 million check as well just for a possible second-round pick. You're basically paying $14 million for a second-round pick and helping the Patriots out at the same time. So from that standpoint, it doesn't make sense to move on from Geno in this season. Now, if you want to move on from Geno next season, whether that's going to be from a cutting standpoint whether it's going to be from a trading standpoint, that's your window. But one thing that you have to consider is if they move on from Geno, 
and they want to move away from him, you know that his contract in the later years, once he gets older, actually favors the Bengals. So the Bengals don't necessarily have to rush out and trade Geno now because it doesn't really benefit them in the short term, in my opinion. Um, if you were going to trade him, like I said, it would be next year if you're looking to shift him out, right? So that gives you another year. That gives you another year for you to see what he looks like with a rookie quarterback, with this new-look offense, and see if he's still that same guy. Um, now, with that being said, the reason that I'm not specifically targeting Geno is because I have also I have no faith that this front office can do anything or do the right things to replace him. Um, mm-hmm. So we've looked at, I'd probably say, the past five to ten seasons, they've really struggled to find guys at that position in the draft. They're really, they've kind of missed and hit on guys. And the fact that I'm not asking for them to, you know, replace him with an all-pro, but the Bengals just don't have a good track record when it comes back to replacing their stars, period. When you talk about T.J. Husmanzada was replaced with Lavernius Coles, when you talk about Jonathan Joseph was replaced with Drake Kirkpatrick, when you talk about Andrew Whitworth being replaced by Cordy Glenn and Bobby Hart, these just they just don't really inspire any confidence on having a backup plan with Geno. Outside of that, Geno, in my opinion, is an instant, like, Bengals Hall of Famer. Like, to me, I consider him in the same breath as Anthony Munoz. I could not see or fathom the Bengals trading Anthony Munoz at 31 years old. Hey, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, no, nah, I don't have a problem doing that. I just wanted to bring it home for the Bengals fans. Now, in no, my I'm saying, opinion, I'm, I'm saying tell, tell them who else you compared him to. I compare Geno to John Randall. I feel like he's a complete Hall of Famer. I, I think he's in that class. I think he's in, also in the class of a Lawrence Taylor or Warren Sapp. I think Geno is. I honestly believe that. Like, when you look at the stats, they don't lie. Like, Geno is a rare commodity. So, like, Bill Belichick himself has called that man John Randall. And Bill Belichick was the guy that coached LT back in the day. So, Geno is a rare breed. You're not going to find a Geno Atkins. He opened the door for guys like Aaron Donald and guys like uh, the guy Ed Oliver in Buffalo. So, number one, you're getting a rare commodity. You have a better chance of finding another A.J. Green in the draft than finding a Geno Atkins. Absolutely. The Bengals like to draft those guys in the third round. That's not happening anymore. After Geno got to the league, there was a stereotype before that that if you were a small defensive tackle in the NFL, you were pretty much useless. Geno destroyed that stereotype, and teams have been going after guys like Aaron Donald and Ed Oliver now in the first round. That's unheard of. So it doesn't align with what they do from a defensive line standpoint. Now, the other thing is, is if Geno has done, or going back in history, look at all of the stars that have come from this Bengals franchise, whether it's your Corey Dillon, your Takeo Spikes, whether it's your Chad Johnson, whether it's your TJ Husmanzada, these guys don't have a close relationship with the Bengals. Most of them regretted playing here. Most of them didn't want to be here. There was no culture of a history with this team. Now, I know that this is outside of football, but 
it looks funny when you look at a guy like Anquan Bowden retire as a Baltimore Raven when everyone knows that he was on the Cardinals for all of those years. I don't want to see that with Geno Atkins. And the Bengals have been taking a step in the right direction in this era because if you go back to the 90s or any of that, it's horrible. None of the players want anything to do with this team. But they've gotten these guys to buy in. And, you know, most of our fans wanted Witt to be that guy. He ended up finishing his career somewhere else. So can you really look at one of the best players of your franchise and really say, nope, we're we're going to trade you somewhere else if he wants to retire Bingo. Now, if Geno wants to get traded, by all means, they should honor his request. And when you honor that request, you should make sure that it's to a team that he picks, which takes the the return that you're going to get out of your hands, but it would be doing right by him. You don't want to send Geno to the Buffalo Bills and then he's pissed at you, and he won't want to come back for any ceremonies or any ring of honors or things, Agreed. things of that Agreed. nature. You don't you don't want to do that. So in order for – and, like, another franchise that I look at, even though they're a rival, is the Baltimore Ravens. If you're worried about an older veteran, all-pro player, you know, falling off, just look at the Ravens. They've taken so many other players, Anquan Bowden, uh, you talk about Elvis Dumerville. They've taken chances on all of these guys, and it hasn't burned them. And then the other thing is this. If Geno, from a financial perspective, is I don't want to spend all that money on Geno, he could possibly restructure his contract. So those are, those are aspects um, that I see there. Sticking with the financials, because I know that this is really about cap space, right? So this it's is what part I'm, of it. I'm, 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 hey, look, hey, I'm on my Kanye. I'm going to let you finish. But gotcha. it, it, it is a big thing with finances um, that we know that the Bengals won't spend. So that's cool. Okay, so this is this is my last thing. I'm sorry to, to keep rambling on. No, you, you're going to have time to respond to what I'm saying, too. So, you know, it's it's all good. This is my thing. If we're talking about strictly financial, right, if we're talking about getting a return on investment, right, Let's look at Andy Dalton. Let's look at Drake Kirkpatrick. Let's look at Cordy Glenn. Let's look at Preston Brown. And let's look at Bobby Hart. Now, Zim, you're a Bengals um, fan. Mm-hmm. Not, like, even though you might feel like Geno isn't doing what you think Geno should be doing, those guys are performing way under the standards for how much they're hey, You don't know. Like, keep in mind, the people listening at home, they don't know what I think about how his performance is, and you don't know what I'm going to say about his performance either. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, there have been whispers that Gino has fell off. I feel like those his demise is being greatly exaggerated just so they know where I stand. But when you compare it to those other guys, such as Andy Dalton and all of these guys, I'm cutting those guys first. You know why? Because, number one, cutting Geno, I only save $8 million. But do you know how much I save if I cut Andy Dalton? $17 million. Drake Kirkpatrick, I'm saving $8.4 million. Um, Cordy Glenn, $9.5 million I'm saving. This is without dead cap. $4.2 million for Preston Brown, $2.8 million for Bobby Hart. $42.6 million in cap space. In savings, I'm sorry, not cap space. In savings is what I'm giving. And you know what that does? That leaves us with $104 million in cap space with a Geno Atkins, with 
probably an A.J. Green who would obviously take up some of that, uh, with a Carlos Dunlap, and with a brand-new rookie quarterback such as Tua, in my opinion, who it should be, Tua, to come in and be able to do something there. So to me, it's like, yeah, I could I could get rid of Geno and Dunlap. That only saves me $11 million compared to $42 million with bums, um, people that I already know, that aren't good. So why trade Geno? To me, it makes no sense. Zim, you have yes. the floor. Okay. So let me ask you this. How valuable do you feel as though a quarterback is to an NFL franchise? A quarterback is the most valuable position to a to an NFL franchise. And there's no other position that probably could trump that for you? No. How many first-round picks would you give up to get probably the best quarterback in the NFL? If you had a chance to get Pat Mahomes right now, how many firsts would you give up? I would give up at least two first-round picks. Okay. And me, myself, I'd give up three, right? So, because it drastically changes your future and it changes your projection and you're up. So, my argument more so is about first-round stop and stop piling these picks up. It's not about do I think – I mean, um, damn, Geno Atkins – it's not about the, do I think Geno Atkins can still perform at a high level. I still think – excuse me. I, I still feel like he's really good. I don't feel like he's great. So, when you talk about these different points, like comparing him to Lawrence Taylor and stuff like that, no. It's, 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 it's not the same. And me and you could probably sit down and, and watch some – watch some games or whatever, and see how Lawrence Taylor wrecks a game in a passing game, in a running game, and you can't go to his side, you can't do anything. And Lawrence Taylor is probably the greatest defensive football player of all time. And Geno Atkins, in his own right, I think you were trying to make this Martin Luther King, Harriet Tubman argument, like, well, he set the tone for three seconds, and that's all great. And I and all due respect to Geno Atkins. But we're in October 2019, and that's how I started off this whole thing. I don't care about what somebody did before. I don't care about none of that stuff, like what's going on on how he developed the position and all that other stuff. That's all great for stories to tell my son. But currently right now, the projection and the window that I have, I need picks. The only player that is on this team that can get me a first-round pick or even six, like A.J. Green, as of right now, unhealthy, can't even get me a first-round pick. So this argument about A.J. Green, uh, would you trade them to the Pacers for first? Like, the Pacers aren't giving you a first until they see him healthy. We're recording this in October 2019. Um, he's not, and he wouldn't get you a first. And right now, like, what you would lose at the end of – if he if say he doesn't extend, then you'd be getting a third-round compensatory pick, whatever. But, uh, again, that's based on uh, minutes played and all this stuff like that. But my point to you is this. If, if I know that my team is absolute garbage and I've missed on a lot of different picks, the only way to right my wrongs is to go get better drafts and banking on that, and more importantly, banking on getting the quarterback of the future. Let's say, like me and you both know, and people that are listening to this right now, there is a big chance because the Dolphins right now are in a position where they have Rosen, they have a whole bunch of cap space, and they got a lot of picks, right? They got a lot of picks. There is scenario, and, but the one thing that they have going for them is we play more of the tougher opponents that we'll have all year. We've already played most of them. So if you go look on these websites like Tankathon and different things like that, the Dolphins have a way higher percentage at getting the number one pick. With that being said, I need stock. I need draft capital. And the only way I could do that is loading up on first-round picks. So even if I can't get the very best quarterback, 
which you just said you'd be willing to give up two first. So imagine you being on the clock and you need to get to the first. Miami doesn't even is not in love with Tua or they're not in love with Burrow or or say we're on the outside on the fourth and we're trying to get to the third second pick because Bengals could put together a run. They win like four or five games this year and you'd be out of this whole about us getting the number one, number two, number three pick. At that point, you're going to need picks to get the guy that we want, or you're going to be looking at the same exact crap where they're going to try to figure out a way to get Finley in it. Like, once you get out of that top three, you're dead. Like, you could get lucky and, and maybe a Lamar-type guy, Burrow, falls to you or whatever, but think about the fan base. Think about what we're really saying. By the time you get to that point, like, out of that top three, you and I both know that that's – I don't like those odds. Although I'm very, very in favor of changing up this new quarterback, I don't like the odds of me picking a quarterback outside of the top three. And most likely, the Broncos, the Dolphins, and probably the Redskins, even with Haskins, although I heard a report today that they do think Alex Smith will come back next year. Those guys are going to have leverage if they're ahead of us, and they know that we need to get this quarterback pick. If I need to give up my first to get their later first, or their later second or something like that, I, I will do it. And I won't even hesitate because right. i got to get there. And the only guy that can get me that is Gino. So this isn't really a money conversation because you can give me all the cap in the world, and I know that the Bengals won't spend it. So that's not really what this is about. This is about me obtaining draft capital. And, and, and if Gino was absolutely Lawrence Taylor, like 31 years old right now, wrecking games, which he is not, you can show me – so outside of this podcast, people, Ace shows me stuff from our good buddy John Sharon. Um, please make sure you check out their podcast, too. Um, uh, um, I'm sorry. What, what's the name of it? I'm sorry, Orange and Black Insider. Orange and Black Insider uh, with Anthony Kazenza and um, John Sharon. Please make sure you check that out on Cincy Jungle. But um, with that, John is breaking down film on Geno Atkins. You can show me all this crap in the world, whatever. You can show me that, uh, how they have a plan for the, uh, Aaron Donald to do the same thing. But the one thing you won't see is teams running at him, and you won't see a lot of this crap that you're seeing currently right now. I could, I cut up three plays that I'm going to load up later on the day where Geno Atkins is absolutely walking when guys are just at the second level. He's not even really, like, balling out to this level. So you're wa- you're walking around with this whole concept of Geno Atkins being this sculpt, like this this big, uh, you know, this this model, you know, guy to work after and everything like that. And I think he's a great guy and he leads by example. He's super super quiet and, and he puts his head down and he works and all those things are awesome. But with this guy Zach Taylor next year coming off of a two win three win uh, season or stuff like that, his job's gonna be on the line and they can't miss. And they need more first-round picks. And if that means drafting another offensive lineman like these guys that get on our nerves talk about, then I want that. And I want that along with the quarterback. And I want I want him to have all the resources to win. And Geno Atkins, as we've seen this year, if this is just what it is. If he was so lit, if he was so amazing, why are we 0-6? And I'm not pinning that on Geno Atkins. But if Lawrence Taylor was on his team, don't think we'd be 0-6. So that's where it is. It's like you could show me stats, you could show me scheme. It doesn't matter. His impact right. isn't great enough for me to warrant the fact that I got to protect the future and I got to get this guy's that resources. And if they miss on the first round or the guy goes down next year or whatever, like Jonah did, at least mm-hmm. I got another first or I got a really, really high pick 
That's the only guy on this whole entire roster that could get you a first. Dunlap might get you a third or second. I, I think Dunlap really is like a third at this point. Like, these guys, we are really, really putting high up on the pedestal, and they're not really playing to the level that impacts a game to the point where other teams are scheming outside of it, don't go to that side, don't do these things, or they're wrecking games. Geno Atkins didn't even register one stat last week. No tackle, no sack, nothing. No fumble force, nothing like that. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. we're watching young guys that come right on in. Now, mind you, in this upcoming draft, there's only one prospect, a linebacker that I even see in the first round. It's the kid from mm-hmm. Clemson. He's like a linebacker safety. This guy mm-hmm. isn't impacting the game, and we're 0-6, but you're like, yeah, I need that guy moving forward. Like, at this point, I am in that. I remember two, three weeks ago, I wasn't in blow-up mode. I am in blow-up mode now because I'm watching the first-round guys like Devin Bush come in and wreck a game who I hate. I hate that. I hate the Steelers, and I'm mad that they got that guy, right? And I need those type of players moving forward. And, it, mm-hmm. and then I will clear up cap space. And so a guy that is like six, seven million, yeah, we're going to let yeah, – yeah, I can get rid of Bobby Hart. Yeah, I can get rid of all those guys you're talking about. But Geno's act, Geno Atkins is going to give me like nine cap, nine mil, right? Right. That does play a part. Like, that does play a part, but that's not everything because if, even if they had the cap space, they aren't going to spend it. But say uh, a Shaquille Barrett or somebody like that is on the free agency market next year, they know that they have to replace it. And maybe right. maybe, maybe they don't do it in the draft. And that's more of my hope is, like, maybe that guy – and it doesn't have to be a Geno Atkins-level guy. Like, that's okay. the thing that, like, out of your mind, like, you got to take that out of your – like, you can't – like, I, I, I'm i not trying to compare Geno Atkins to Martin Luther King. But no matter what activist comes after Geno Atkins – I mean, after Martin Luther King, there's never going to be an activist with the impact that could do anything like Martin Luther King. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that I don't want activists moving forward pushing the culture or doing or balling out. Like, you can't – I can live with the history. And I think Geno Atkins will retire Bengal no matter what because he's got integrity and they treated him right. Uh, if they want to get him in, included in the conversations on where they want to trade him to, that's all fine and dandy. But think about it. The only teams that would trade for him are going to be all contenders. So it would be kind of like a little foolish to me for him to get super picky because think about it. It would be like a team like the Saints. The 49ers, like all these good cities, like where he he just still fly under the radar, do his thing or whatever, still get the money and still go to the Hall of Fame. And one thing that you tell me about it is you try to compare him to Munoz. Why do we only have this one guy in the Hall of Fame, right? Him staying on the Bengals doesn't get him in the Hall of Fame. It doesn't even get him in the Ring of Honor because we don't have one. <laughs> so what do you oh. see? Like what, what okay. are you saying? Are you I mean, finished? Are you are I you still going? All right, I got you right now. So first of all, let's get let's get one thing clear. When I compare Geno Atkins to Lawrence Taylor, clearly they play two totally different positions. One is an okay. edge, uh, edge rusher off the edge that's like linebacker size. The other is a defensive tackle, a three technique. So yeah. if I asked you, like we talked about this, I said I think he's John Randall, right? If yeah. I asked you who has more sex between John Randall and LT, who are you going to say? Maybe You're gonna John probably, Randall. It's Maybe, John but Randall. Like, but, but in and my they mind, are, I'm thinking Lawrence Taylor, but yeah, I'm probably thinking in your mind that way. Exactly. So edge rushers and defensive tackles obviously affect the game and wreak havoc in different ways. One's off of the edge, one is through the middle. But I say that to say this. Lawrence Taylor 
And guys like John Randall, they're first ballot Hall of Famers. Geno Atkins is a first ballot Hall of Famer, regardless of what you think of him, any of that, regardless of the fact that he played in Cincinnati. Off his stats alone, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer for being a rare commodity like how he is. Another thing that I'm going to say is this. You look at his all-pros. Yeah, they might not match up with John Randall, but you also have to think about the fact that he plays for the Cincinnati Bengals. And one example of this is a former Bengal that we had that never got respect until he left, and that's Justin Smith. Justin Smith, we all knew Justin Smith was a beast. But when Justin Smith went to San Francisco, all of a sudden the NFL just acted like they were blown away with how good he was. So that's another aspect of it right there. You talked about stockpiling picks and things of that nature, right? So you asked me, you know, if you could get Pat Mahomes right now, how many picks would you give up to get him? Where was Pat Mahomes drafted, though? He wasn't drafted in the top three. Where was Deshaun Watson <laughs> drafted at, though? Deshaun Watson wasn't drafted in the top three. Where was like Lamar that. Jackson drafted like at? That. Lamar yeah, Jackson yeah. wasn't drafted in the top three. And, and when you look at this, when you look at how this many, draft how many, class. How, how many quarterbacks eating right now in the NFL were drafted in the top three? 70% of the NFL. Not really. You talk about Josh Allen. You talk about Sam Darnold. Uh, who else? Who what else Dan, Daniel Jones? Oh, hold on, hold on. Let me pull up a list. Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. He was hot in the in the preseason, but he slowed up. No, I got him I, on my I, no, no, no. I'm not saying who was good. I'm just saying the draft is currently starting in the NFL top three pick. That's the spot. Top three pick. Uh, I probably say like your best one is gonna be. Do you? All right, all right. So hold on. But do you, you also trust, got the? Do you trust no, the Bengals to make that Pat Mahomes pick? They don't have the scouts to make that pick. This is this is another thing. The Bengals did did work out Pat Mahomes. It was a pre-draft visit, like right before the draft, and a lot of people, it kind of confused them because they were like, oh, they're looking at Pat Mahomes. I thought they were good with Andy. But I think the Bengals view Pat Mahomes as a second-round option. Like this was why they were – this was while they were still trying to find, like, that key backup. And they did bring Mahomes in, so they did get a look at him and things of that nature. We'll never know where he was on their board. Obviously, he wasn't higher than John Ross, but – I think he was definitely at least in play for them in the second round. Um, the other thing that I will say is I was actually getting some work done and had my maintenance man in, and he actually compared, which I'm not sure if I agree with him on this, but he compared this quarterback draft class with how many quarterbacks were in this one to the uh, the draft, I think, where Elway and Dan Marino came out. Is that the one where there was just, like, a bunch of good quarterbacks in that draft? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he considered feels, the greatest one of all time. Right. He felt like – now, I can't speak on this because I don't watch college like that. I'm not going to lie to you guys. But this guy claimed to be a college football head and all of that. He really liked this draft. And ironically, he's a Dolphins fan. So he was talking about the fact that you got Tua, Herbert, you got all of these guys that, you know, could possibly be that guy. So when we when we talk about another thing that I bring up too is yeah the Bengals don't save money you know what else the Bengals don't do they don't trade up in the draft you talk about the Ricky Williams trade all of our picks for yours they pass on that and you know who they pick Achilles Smith and that's why I do not trust them in any scenario whether you give them draft picks whether you give them cap space the Bengals are still the Bengals. And, I mean, I was one of the few guys that was on the Bengals' side that was on the Bengals' side initially about the Andrew Whitworth thing. 
So we're already we're already all being like, damn, the Andrew Whitworth thing was a mistake. We should have kept him. Andrew Whitworth at the time was 35 years old. Do you really want to do the same thing with Geno Atkins? Do you really want to do that? I'm prepared to if that's what it takes, bro. Like I, I don't want I don't want to do it messy. I don't want to do anything like that. I think his chances are that, that it's like your arguments are helping mine and mine are helping yours because you just gave me a perfect example of Justin Smith getting the exposure and everything he needed once he left here, right? So right. all I'm saying is like if you if you look at him like that in the in a in a in a Lawrence Taylor type look, I don't believe that the players that vote, I don't believe that the media that votes, I don't think they look at him as a first-round Hall of Famer. I really don't. I think when it all comes down to it, if he put, and especially if it's like this, and he's playing on these bad, on these bad teams that nobody even remembers, and he's not, and he's not collecting the sacks and stuff that he needs, he won't go to Hall of Fame first round with with this. Eventually, he could. I mean, like, like think about this, AJ Green. Is probably one of the most impactful wide receivers we've seen in the last ten years. Now, stats wise, he probably he lines up with Demarius Thomas. He lines up with some other guys, but just the eye test itself, he's a first round Hall of Famer to me. But I don't think him playing with the Bengals or Geno Atkins playing with the Bengals gives him that. And you, your example with Justin Smith is exactly what I'm saying. You trading them off to the Saints or trading them off to somewhere else is probably going to is going to better his chances. And you're going to get a first round pick, and you're going to get the cap space, and this guy is not even doing anything that makes you better. That's right I. That's what I forgot to tell you as well. You talked okay. about Geno Atkins didn't register anything. Zim, you know better. You should know better than this because you play corner. You play. No, no, no. Let me say it. You talked about John Sharon's video. If Geno Atkins isn't wrecking games and things of that nature, the Ravens game plan that they had against him was looking like it was from a guy that wrecks game plans because you know what they did the whole game? They doubled – well, not the whole game. On some snaps, they double-teamed Geno. They never double-teamed Carl Lawson. They never double-teamed Andrew Billings. They never double-teamed um, Sam Hubbard. They didn't do that. Another thing, John Sheeran made a great point of this. They were going against Lamar Jackson. So do you know what Geno's role was that game? Geno's role wasn't just to rush the passer. Geno's role, the majority of those snaps that John Sheeran showed, was to keep him at bay. Make sure Lamar Jackson, even though obviously he went off, but Geno's role that whole game was to make sure Lamar Jackson doesn't run it straight up the middle for a whole bunch of yards. And majority Mm -hmm. of the game, if you watch it, watch John Sheeran's video. Geno Atkins right there is sitting there chopping in front of his guy looking at Lamar Jackson, waiting for him to take off to the left or right. That was his mm-hmm. responsibility and, for and, that and, game. And how, did, and, how, and how did that work out for him? It, it ran, worked out for, better. He, he, he worked out when he ran for career high for one But when you look at it, when you look at it, <laughs> which, which also what John Shearer showed is watch Geno and then watch what's around Geno and what happens to them. None of the other guys beat their man. Linebackers in coverage are missing assignments and guys are wide open. A play where Geno was about to get to Lamar to sack him, somebody else blows their assignment. A lot of the issues around Geno Atkins are issues around Geno Atkins. And you talked about how he didn't record any stats and this and that. You said on here that Aaron Donald wrecks a football game. Did you not? 
Let's look at it the is. stats right now in the season. We <laughs> play Aaron Donald and Aaron Geno Donald Atkins. Is, they got Donald. the same number of tackles, all right, all right, let, and right, he right, has who's better, who's better right now? He Aaron has Donald two more Geno sacks Atkins. than Geno. He's got who's two more right sacks now, than Geno. Oh, it's Aaron right Donald. It's Aaron oh, Donald. Right, but what sure, I'm saying man. is, what I'm saying is, don't discount Geno when the guy that you're big enough that makes six million or a year, by the way. Then Gino, which he's not worth that much. He's not that better than Gino, in my opinion, to be paid six more million dollars a year. He only has he two more sacks than him. He only he has two me. more sacks than him. That's it. That's it. It's to me. Like when I watch a Rams game, you're going to say Aaron Donald's name. In Gino Atkins' game against the game that you're highlighting, that you're like, his job is to insane. Lamar Jackson runs for a career high at 152. So how did that really, really – all the guys around him, yeah, all the guys around Aaron Donald aren't special. But I, it's very clear when I'm watching the Rams game, this guy is, like, untradeable. Him, Khalil Mack are untradeable. Like, seriously. And then Geno Atkins, I'm telling you, he probably barely – barely even could get a first round right now. Like, you're valuing him based on his history, which I look at in the same light as you. I think he's just as important to Cincinnati. I think he's done more for this team than any other player. To me, for years, he's the best player on this team. He's the best player playing every Sunday right now. But his value at 31 years old, my argument for the window of opportunity – Three years from now, when the quarterback that I'm saying is good, three years from now, will Geno Atkins still be registering no stats and getting okay. paid? Right. Maybe, maybe, maybe he gets, maybe he takes a restructure and he takes a little bit less money. But what good is that if right now I can go get a first one right now? And then keep this in mind too: when you get to that point, like when you get to that point, I mean, how many players just walk? And we don't get anything in return for him. Like, we were having that discussion the other day. You didn't get anything for him. So the only thing you're going to tell me that you got for Geno, this is what the Bengals uh, is going to argue with you, and this is what they said about McCarron, is that, yeah, we got what we wanted. You know, like, uh, essentially we got McCarron to have this pick. Uh, I mean, I'm talking about he was a, a, a backup, and he played his role, and that's his value to us. And we don't feel any type of way that we didn't get the second and the third round pick that we were supposed to. We don't feel any type of way because we got with So they're going to come at the same thing with Geno. Well, let's say we go two games this year. They're be like, yeah, for 2019 season, I mean, I'm happy the fact that he got eight sacks and whatever. He did what he saying, but it didn't, it, didn't, it didn't equal any wins. So, like, you're trying to get this guy to, 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 to say, yeah, I need that guy moving forward, but he's not doing anything to give you wins currently right now. Like, at the quarterback position, I can insert three, four quarterbacks right now, and it might take me more draft capital to get that type of guy. I can insert them, and I can easily say that this team will be three and three, four and two, just based on the Bills game, maybe even the Ravens game, the Seahawks game for sure. Like, just those games, that we would have those wins. And so if you're saying that this guy isn't impacting in the form of wins, and we need picks, and the only person that can give you a first-round pick is this guy, and you're still trying to say, well, I need to be able to replace him. How do you know? You don't know. This is the thing with business. You don't know that the new guy that you draft isn't, isn't Joey Bosa. 
Like right now, would you take Joe Bosa? They're like, not would, taking I mean, I mean, defensive not, tackles not Joe, in the first round. That's what I'm saying, though. They draft extra first. If you got an extra first, you might. No, they don't. The Bengals. The Bengals are very, are very predictable I, on I agree, what they I do. Agree. They're very right. predictable on what they do. So I don't see them. I don't see them spinning. And that's my thing too. Like you're not gonna get lucky. Like they think in their world, we got Geno Atkins in the third round. We got Carl Lawson in the third round. We can wait until those into those areas to draft these guys and we're going to keep quarterback um, left tackle and cornerback as a premium position and things like linebacker and guard bro they didn't even really want Quentin Nelson like that because they don't want to pay guards or draft guards that high it's a philosophy thing and you talk about you talked about okay how do we know what Gino is going to be when he gets to that age the Bengals can wait and do that. But I talk about John Randall. Do you want to know what John Randall was doing at 32, 33, and 34? He was mm-hmm. still getting double-digit sacks. And we see what Andrew Whitworth is still doing now. He fell off this year, but for two years, we saw Andrew Whitworth hold on. Now, my thing is just, do we really want to get rid of Geno Atkins dunlapping these guys? when a new quarterback can come in and you keep those guys similar to the Colts with Robert Mathis, Bob Sanders, and still have a pretty good team. I'm but, I'm about I'm about keeping him in the fold until we see what happens. All I'm saying is I I I, I could live with that. So like this this to me is not an argument about like do I think I could use Geno Atkins moving forward? Yeah, I could use him. But will we be winning two, three years from now? Maybe, maybe not. So the window really is like, you know, I, I know they're not going to be winning next year. So, I, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, right. what am I What am I using him for right now if, if you know what I'm saying, I can't win all the way, you know, like I want to. Like, I don't know. I, I just want to leave you all with this. There are some players that we could highlight all over the place, you know what I mean, that I think could help this team. But you trying to replace Geno Atkins with Geno Atkins cannot happen. We both agree, like the likelihood of that happening, but that's not what I'm proposing here. I'm proposing that I got another shot, another player, because they won't spend money in free agency. They'll probably try to replace Geno Atkins in free agency if he were to go. The first round pick I'm talking about could be another tackle. It could be whatever the heck you want. It could be draft capital just for the fact, just for if they do need to uh, trade up to get to or borrow or any one of these guys. I just don't trust them guys later on in the draft picking a quarterback. I really don't. And I just need to get more reassurance that I have some good young talent early round pick off the break. And that's all this is about. If I can't win next year, what do I need Geno for? If I can't win a year after that, what am I – you know what I'm saying? Because at that point, he's no value. I wrote an article two years ago, and I'm like, trade Dalton now. You could probably, like – you could pull a Sam Bradford. I mean, yeah, you could pull a Sam Bradford on the league right now. Like, you could get rid of Dalton, unleash him on the Cowboys, and, give you know, like, they liked him. Or the Bills, before they had Josh Allen, he had all this value. You waited. Now, Now look at him. He's nothing. You can't get anything for him, and he's going to be – you, you're talking about getting rid of Dalton? 
He's not. He's not going anywhere. He's going to take that seventeen million and be sitting on the sideline doing whatever the hell he wants next year because seventeen mil for a backup is darn good money, and he ain't going to feel no type of way about it. I promise you. Now, in, in conclusion to what Zen said, I want to make several things uh, several things straight. I do understand exactly where Zim is coming from, and I think it would possibly be the right thing to do if we didn't have our front office. If me or Zim was in place or if there was a talented GM like the guy in Cleveland or somebody out there, somebody that's going to break through their norms of – their draft, their recent draft history, then, yeah, I'm on board. I don't have the confidence in this front office to do that. I've been burned too many times believing in them and thinking that they're going to do right, and they haven't. And I have to see something else to make me feel differently. And this is like any time I get expectations for this front office, we get more of the same. Just look at the linebacker position. Just look at the offensive line. These are lingering, like this has been years. And I just, that's where, that's the reason why I don't display any confidence in it because it's not that I don't trust what Zim is saying, it's that I don't trust the Bengals front office. And that's where I'm at as a fan. And I, um, and, and I, and I, and I don't trust them to make the, the right pick. If, it's, if they only have one first round pick. I don't trust the health. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't trust them picking the guy that's going to have the best health. I don't trust right. them to pick the right person. And I just need to give myself more opportunities to have an influx of talent. That's all I'm trying to do. Because that's the only thing. That, they won't trade it away. We know they'll draft somebody. Will it be the right guy? Say they miss. I got an extra first round. Say I need to trade up in, in some crazy world. Maybe they do it. You know, that's all I'm saying. But to, I, to take away from this is that, me and Ace both believe in Geno Atkins. If me and both, uh, me and Ace both want Geno Atkins to be a Hall of Famer, like without a question. Like that, you know what that does to us when I talk to people about the Bengals? Like that makes me look good for myself. That makes me be able to to put uh, equity in the fact that hey, look, we do have guys that are really, really good, and this is a this is proof. This guy did it for years. He's awesome. You know, right. that, like this. You know, Atkins is lit. Like, I'm not trying to diminish his, what he's done. I'm just saying for what I've seen in the history of this thing, they let so many guys' talent just dwindle away or and don't get nothing for them, and they're just an afterthought. Right, understandable. Well, thanks, you guys. I know we, we ran over a little bit this episode, but um, I think that it was some great, um, some great analysis and great detail from both sides of the spectrum on the Geno Atkins issue. Be sure to check us out on YouTube, on Instagram. I'm on, on uh, YouTube at New Stripe City. Zim is on Instagram at Zim underscore Hooday. Uh, be sure to subscribe. Be sure to leave comments on the YouTube page and things of that nature when we upload this on there. We'd love to hear your feedback. If you want to tweet me and Zim what your thoughts are, feel free to reach us on Twitter at New Stripe City, at Zim Hooday. Give us your feedback. And Zim, is there anything that you want to sign off with? No. Hooday. Who they?